0: You're listening to Sharing Things, a new University of Edinburgh podcast from the alumni relations team about the university community, which we want to get to know a little better. Hi, I'm Amalia. I'm a fourth year student and I'm the host of this podcast. In Sharing Things, I talk to alumni, staff and students about their stories. Guests have all been asked to bring an object as a starting point for discussion and the object can be anything important or significant. It can represent an event, person, decision, experience, or it can just remind them of something. Let's see where this takes us. In this episode, you will meet Catherine Wilson and Beth Fellows. Catherine is a poet, writer, and performer. She has a degree in philosophy and literature from the university, and in 2018, she was selected as one of YMCA's 30 Under 30 Women in Scotland. Beth is the Vice President of Activities and Services for Edinburgh University Students Association. She graduated with a degree in Ancient History and Classical Archaeology in 2019 and enjoys media producing and sports. In this episode, we talk about winning, empowerment, challenges, and more. So welcome to Sharing Things, Katherine and Beth. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah. So I'm gonna start by asking what you've brought to the studio today and why. Yeah. yeah, so I've brought in my troll called
1: Ragnar, who is probably larger than most people are imagining right now. So he's just the typical cartoon troll, but the original, not the new film, mm-hmm. with bright orange hair, spiky, which we sometimes plot and do stuff with. But yeah, he's called Ragnar because my trolls are originally Norwegian and my flatmate at uni was Norwegian, and she named him for me. And Ragnar's a very Norwegian name, which I'm probably obliterating the pronunciation of it. Ragnar,
2: Ragnar, Ragnar. <laughs> Ragnar. Yeah. Like Ragnarok. Yeah. R- oh. That's what my head's doing. Yeah.
0: Yes. Vikings. Yeah. Um. Mm.
1: So he's a bit of a random
2: object, but
1: he does have a story behind him.
0: You mentioned that he was really big. I feel like yeah. you need to clarify um, exactly how big he is, Probably. so that listeners aren't. I think he's
1: about twenty centimeters. So he's the yeah, height about of the, the,
2: chili- the water bottle I've brought in, which okay. is like a five hundred milliliter water bottle.
1: Like a chili or a yeah. a swell water bottle. These very fashionable. water Bottles now, quite big. So he's quite tall, and he looks quite cute, there. Um, but yeah, he sits on my
2: desk at work,
0: and he's naked, and he's
2: naked. yeah. I was just uh, staring at his butt there for quite a long time. He does need some clothes. <laughs> <buttons>. mm.
0: <laughs> so what does Ragnar mean to you? Ragnar was bought
1: alongside my campaign that I ran to run as my current job which is Vice President Activities and Services for the Student Association which I ran for in February. Ironically I bought him off eBay because he was the icon for my campaign and I ran it alongside the Find Your Happy Place which is the catch line for the troll film. It just fitted perfectly with my manifesto points and what I wanted to do this year if I got elected. But I suppose, ironically, he didn't actually arrive until the end of election week. So he, he was on my doorstep when all the votes had closed. And I was like, this is either a very good sign or a very bad sign. Unfortunately, um, it was a good sign. So he stayed. Otherwise, he would have been sold again on eBay. Yeah, I was going to say, it just make you
2: sad. Just looking at him like, I didn't win. And you're the symbol of that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's
1: stayed. And he's now at work to be my kind of constant motivation behind why I'm
2: doing this job. And he's quite cute to look at and he
1: makes people smile, which is always nice in the workplace.
0: What did you bring?
2: So I I wish I brought my actual object, but my actual object is, I believe, in the loft of my parents' house. And they are currently moving at the moment, so I didn't want to disturb that. So it's a photograph of a trophy that I won at the Edinburgh Fringe uh, three years ago now, when I had not long started doing poetry. I was in a poetry show at the time. And just after I finished my show, which was finishing about 10, half 10, someone I was working with at the time told me that they were going to a poetry slam that was being held at Apex Hotel in the Grass Market and that they needed more poets to enter. So I was like, the night is young. I might might as well. So I ran along down. And as soon as he saw the trophy, I knew that I was very, very desperate to win this competition. (laughs) A little description of the trophy for people who are listening. So the base is when you go to a hotel and they have glasses in the bathroom, but not made of glass, made of paper. So like a paper kind of cup. I don't know why I didn't just say a paper cup. (laughs) It's one of those. So a paper cup upside down, which someone has coloured in yellow and written slam 2015 on in red pen. Then stuck into that glass, not glass, is a coffee stirrer, also coloured in yellow held into the cup with some blue tack, And on top of that coffee stirrer is an Apex Hotel purple rubber duck. So this was made by the guy who was running the Poetry Slam. And the photograph is actually a picture of it sitting on my, I wouldn't say mantelpiece, but I don't feel like students are fancy enough to have a mantelpiece shelf. Shelf. The shelf (laughs) of my flat when I was in my second year at Ed Uni. Um, So behind it is also a picture of me when I was in Prague where someone cut out my silhouette on the street. But yeah, no, the trophy was made by my now good friend, Tyler, who was tasked with running a poetry slam very last minute. I believe four poets competed. (laughs) I believe there were six people in the audience, probably including the four poets and a lost couple. And I won. And I think it was the second poetry slam I ever won. But the reason that I picked it and it means so much to me is it kind of really symbolises why I got into poetry so much when I was at Edinburgh Uni which is that I come from a very rural town where the provision for children outside of school was either sports based and actually that was very much just for the boys or a little bit of musical theatre and I couldn't sing or dance and also the production that my school did was Hairspray in my all white rural Scottish school (laughs) so you know I was like maybe not. So I didn't really feel like I had a place but I was always interested in speaking publicly and I liked writing and I didn't really realise that I could combine the two until I came to Edinburgh. I think like the reason I love this trophy is poetry for me, it let anybody in. You showed up to an open mic and two weeks later you could be booked for a very high profile event and that's not to suggest people don't work hard at poetry because they obviously very much do but the student poetry nights were always a little bit last minute and a little bit kind of homemade but full of love and i think that's what that trophy is for me
0: (laughs) so nice so wholesome yeah so both of your objects kind of have to do with winning something Mm. so i want to i want to ask like what did it feel like when you won your election and also when you won your poetry slam so i'd say i remember head to toe shaking
1: Cause it was election night they did a big thing in the venue in potter Row. i had my two closest friends from my course there who bless them came along and um i was just so so nervous that a lot of work i'd been flat out just doing this for the last two weeks i was worried that i was going to have a knock-on effect on my degree because i was in my fourth year and my dissertation was going to get the marks going to get docked and kind of was in a complete blind panic and then obviously it got announced and I just burst into tears and I'm not a crier at all. So like, this was such an odd emotion. I literally was shaking head to toe. I didn't know what to do. Kind of went up on stage to get this big board and they were like, oh, do you want to do a speech? And I was like, just shook my head. <laughs> I was just like, I can't possibly. And yeah, it was a complete flood of emotion, which I don't often experience as a person because I'm not a big crier at all. So yeah, that was very odd. But yeah, an amazing, amazing feeling and was definitely on a high for a.
2: I'm still on a high. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. I was going to say that I think our objects are linked in another way because your model of the idea that university is kind of that space to find your happy place. Mm, I think that poetry was very much that for me. But I guess like winning that poetry slam. I mean, there was only three other poets, so it wasn't that same triumphant moment of oh my god, I'm going to cry. It was kind of like all right, okay, yeah, no, this feels this feels legit. This feels right. I did win another poetry competition at one point. Very early into writing, honestly, I'd started performing in something like the September and I won this poetry slam, I think in January or February. And I was considered quite a fresh face. And I was very young in the kind of poetry scene that I was in. A lot of people were much older, cooler, tattooed students who wrote much cooler (laughs) poems about hooking up and drugs. And I'd show up and I'd be like, here's a poem about and you really fancy someone but you just can't say it because you're an idiot (laughs) 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 or here's my poem about how i'm just so clumsy and i just keep dropping things and it's a metaphor for my life yeah i don't know maybe that's why i wasn't invited to the cool after parties when i first started poetry they just knew that i would not know what to do with myself there but, yeah, I think winning poetry competitions for me felt like such a massive, massive deal, winning a poetry slam because part of it is decided by audience vote. So you're judged on three things: the the content of your poem, the performance of your poem, and the audience reaction, which means a third of it is, you know, democratic, right? So I think that's probably the part that's always stuck out is meaning the most to me because when I win, it's like a whole audience was kind of behind that decision. And when I don't win, I kind of go, well, this particular group of people weren't feeling you tonight. And that's fine. But when they do, you can feel it. You can really feel them going on that journey, with you. as cliche as that sounds.
1: It's <laughs> kind of an overarching theme of democracy. <laughs> Winning love in democracy. democracy. <laughs>
2: It just really reminded me of one of my very early lectures when I was at Edinburgh Uni and I had just switched into doing philosophy as part of my joint degree. And the lecturer said one of the funniest things that I still remember where he said, yeah, in Socrates' time, ancient Greece was a a democracy, except you couldn't vote if you were a woman or a slave.
0: So I was like, so... (laughs) Not a democracy. (laughs) What are some other things that you have won or given you a feeling of like empowerment
2: another thing I did when I was at uni was I helped organize a team of poets from Edinburgh Uni to go down to a big competition in Leicester which is called Uni Slam which is still going so there was five of us we went down to Leicester and we did this competition I think there was like 25 other teams and at this time I think this was 2016 we were the only team from Scotland one team from Wales one team from Scotland all the others from England, and actually more teams from London than the rest of the UK put together. And we won. And not only that, we won for the third time in a row. So Edinburgh actually used to be, from UniSlam's conception, we won every single year for three years in a row. And I don't think Edinburgh Uni actually really realised that their team just kept going down to UniSlam, winning very victoriously and being really excited, and then coming back and being really quiet about it. And actually, it was the last year, the year that I went was the last year that we did it because we thought, I kind of don't want to go down and, and keep either keep winning and look like we're assholes or not win and it'd be really, really embarrassing. Also, I think we were slightly afraid because Glasgow University was putting a team forward and we were like, oh, if Glasgow University beat us, we're never going to hear the end of it. The rival is going to be too strong. <laughs> so, yeah, we won We won that competition in Leicester in, in 2016 and from that, we actually got to go to America to compete in a huge portrait competition that they have there, which I think is something like 86 universities oh. um, from across the U.S. We were the first team to have ever gone who were not from the U.S., which was great because it meant that people kept going, uh, where's that Where's that little Scottish team? And we were like, oh, hello, <laughs> hello, everybody, we over here. <laughs> the men in our team suddenly attracting all these American women who are like, oh, my goodness, these... Oh, hot, attractive, Scottish men. And I was like, uh, no, this is, this, is not, this is not James McAvoy. This is... <laughs> Ewan McGregor. <laughs> no, hun, save yourself. Wow, I just massively burned three of my closest friends. It's fine. I'm going to keep going. And when we were in America, we won this award called The Spirit of the Slam. We did not win any of our heats by a long shot. I think it was a total tone change and American audiences were a bit like, is this is this poetry? What are they doing? But the Spirit of the Slam Award that we won was basically, the people who ran the Slam pick a team that is like, this is what poetry slams are about. And that team receives the Spirit of the Slam Award. And part of the motivation for giving it to us is they were like, we've seen them work really, really hard to get here. They've won a competition to get here. they fundraised to get here. Um, we were supported by and um, the uni a little bit to get there. I would occasionally send an email into the ether to someone quite high up in Edinburgh Uni and say, we're doing this thing. And they'd go, yeah, okay, we can give you some money. And then that was it. So they gave us this award. The other reason they gave us the award is they were like, they're the friendliest team you ever meet. They go up to every team and tell them how well they did. They ask how people are. You know, other teams aren't doing that. So I think that's one of my my proudest achievements, particularly at uni. I thought that was quite nice. It was like, it makes me proud. I would rather well would I rather win the very big prize money or would I rather get the <laughs> certificate that tells me I'm a nice person mm, I'm gonna say the nice person one always <laughs> but yeah that filled me with the the same sense of achievement because it was actually being awarded for who I was as a person rather than the art I was making which is quite nice
0: yes when was the
2: last time you won
0: something besides from
2: um or proudest there's
0: achievement there's
1: kind of there's a mix, so obviously I play netball um, for a league called Go Mammoth, which actually isn't a university league, It's we kind of play it at George Harriet mm. down the road, and um, it's just a complete mix of like professionals, a couple of students, um, a couple of staff at university, a lot of medics actually play, like doctors and stuff, and it's just in the evenings, so it's a complete recreational league and we got to the final of that and we honestly battled it out for ages and we won it and we got this little medal with a little mammoth on it saying go mammoth Aww. and i did it <laughs> that was really sweet because this is kind of i'm very competitive but i don't obviously i'm not good enough to play for the university netball teams but like it's it's really nice community and like they were like, oh, well done. And it was really like, because it's a recreational league, yes, it's not all about winning. It's just about getting out there and exercising a bit more. But yeah, it was quite a proud moment. And then the other thing, which is really weird. So this year at university, I was a part of the sports union media team. So we went and followed some teams in like the build up. So, and actually I was also the sports producer for EU TV, which is a really small um, society. And we followed a couple of intramural teams because I really wanted to promote intramural sport i was just taking photos or filming them did a couple of interviews really got to know these teams and actually some individual athletes and um actually when you got to the heart of it and you really got to know these teams and the individuals involved and then they won i actually got that sense of pride
2: for them because they put so much effort in so you were like a like a personal cheerleader almost kind of yeah something that's really just struck me about what you're saying It's something that I really particularly enjoyed about Edinburgh Uni, which is that a lot of unis, you you go in and you can get in your little uni bubble a little Mm. bit. But I think that Edinburgh, so many people that I I knew, and as you were saying now, do activities outside of university where, you know, yes, they're a student, but they're mixing with people who maybe live in Mm. Edinburgh or who are maybe older or might be staff or, you know, things like that. And I think... That was very much my experience doing kind of spoken word but I really Mm. like that your team is actually yeah completely made up I just think it's nice that when you go to Edinburgh Uni I think that you also become an Edinburgh citizen but I think that when when there's like sometimes there's unis where they're, they're more campus based I think it's so easy to just wake up Walk the 20 minutes mm. to your to your lecture and back home again and go to the one sports club that is, you know, right around the corner. Yeah, I think it's really nice at Edinburgh how much you become really integrated into the city and you don't just meet other students.
0: What I'm getting from this is like a sense of inspiration. Ooh. What inspires you? Hard work. <laughs> just hard work just in hard general work. or someone doing hard work? Or... Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really respect it when people have a goal and they will tackle obstacles and setbacks and they just keep going at it. But also I suppose people who have just been unlucky because life can just be fairly cruel to a lot of people and you can get the nicest person in the world with the most genuine and kind of hardworking spirit and they can just have every of the worst set of cards given to them and they're just people who overcome those I think are really inspirational to me
2: i think my my source of inspiration um i think they are mainly women i've been reading a book recently and it's basically about how most of things set up in society are are set up in a way that disadvantages women just because not in a targeted malicious way but because the way that a lot of things have been built has been built around the white man being the average your default so things like um i was learning how Bus systems just don't work for 90% of women. Women are most likely to use buses, but buses are set up in a way that um, a bus system normally kind of goes in a, in a radial sphere from a central area. And it's based on the assumption that you, you get a bus to work and you get a bus home from work. And what most women do is they, they get a bus to their kids' school and they drop their kids off at school and then they get a bus to work and then they get a bus on the way home to pick up stuff from the shops and then they get a bus home to you know someone else's house because they go and check on that person and then they get a bus home so they are spending twice as much time and money on the bus just because the way that most transport systems are built is the kind of the men in the room assume wow well, you take your bus to work and you take your home, bus home from work but that's not how it works so the more that I learn stuff like that um, I find women more and more inspiring and I work with a lot of women. My office has one one man in it and the work that I do is in the early years sector. So working with people who work in, in nurseries and in schools, which is very much women. So women's life stories honestly inspire me so much. And and that could be a five-minute conversation with someone on the phone who's phoning me in saying my my nursery won't let me do this and I really want to do it because I know it makes the kids happy or it could be um, I listen to like a lot of audiobooks and a lot of them are often kind of true life stories and just hearing how women have turned their lives around against all odds I'm just like on the bus to work tearing up thinking about how the bus system was built to disadvantage (laughs) me Um, (laughs) but no like I think my, my inspiration genuinely is just other people's lives really
0: on the topic of people who work hard and who are going through a lot, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? Probably myself.
2: Honestly, <laughs> honestly, probably. Um, I've faced a lot of external challenges, both within poetry, within jobs, within studying. Like, no matter how well you're doing, there's always someone who's, who's a bit of a blockade, right? And I think that often... My biggest barrier wasn't just the individual who was, you know, causing me the strife, but actually I put up with it for way too long. And every now and then I look back at something and I'm like, why didn't I leave that situation earlier? Or why didn't I say, no, actually, this isn't okay? I mean, when I was starting out in poetry, I accepted a lot of very poor treatment from male bookers, male promoters, who were either just, you know, I was a lot younger and they were very kind of, Maybe a little bit creepy. I I accepted situations where I was promised payment and then not given it. I was in situations where I had work that I had written taken away from me and given the credit to you know a male writer. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know I don't want to like victim blame myself if that's a thing and say well it was my fault. But looking back on it, I think I should have been way more assertive. And I think there's a lot of situations where I should have said actually no. And I've always been quite pleased about the fact that I am quite, I think I'm quite a polite person. And I think that I, you know, there's times where someone will be flapping around me being like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'll be like, no, totally chill. You know, I will put up with this. I'm totally fine. And I, I think that's part of the reason I, I've been asked back so often in, in, in poetry things is not just because I turn up and do the work and do the work well, but because I'll actually be very, very polite whilst doing it. But I think there's so many times that I wish that I could go back in time and be like no, this is not how you treat people I should have demanded the money I was promised I should have demanded my my names be given the rights I should have been more punchy sometimes and I don't know if that's entirely something I can chalk up to you know, it is something that women do a lot more and I don't know if I can entirely say oh it's it's because I'm a woman and I was socialised to be polite I don't know if it's also because you know I'm an anxious little bean just trying to make my way in the world and can be so afraid to ask for anything and you know would kind of rather die than make a fuss. But I think the persisting challenge has not just been the external forces but has also been trying to teach myself that I'm worth better situations and teach myself when to get out of the bad ones.
1: 100%. So kind of similar, I'd say yes to a lot of things and I pile things up and they really pile up and I'll get through to them eventually but then obviously time is ticking and you do just run out and I'm not very good at saying no to things or stopping things at the root of the problem almost. So like with people I'll always be polite and there's no need to be rude to anyone or anything like that but you could just politely say look I'm really sorry but actually I've got too much on my plate at the moment and I'm really like struggling to get through it all so I'm going to say no for you for now and actually people more often than not are quite understandable Mm. I've learned that in the last four years certainly at university just to say no and actually when I think I've learned keep your mouth shut sometimes in social situations (laughs) there's someone who's really irksing you and you're just like I just want to I just want to turn around and tell them this this and this and actually you give yourself half an hour you give yourself an hour you sleep on it and actually the next morning you're like actually no because quite often the one time I did it it blew up in my face and ended up turning into a massive conflicting argument and it wasn't enjoyable for either party and then ended up just not like resolving itself really and it was a real shame but um no I'd say so I'd say like just making sure that actually if you're polite about it from the beginning but transparent and like actually I've got a lot on my plate and not having this big brave face being like oh no no I'll take that on board and then being like oh dear when I'm gonna find the time to do this and stuff like that but yeah it's kind of similar to what you were saying like yeah tolerating stuff but you don't have to go about it in like a
2: harsh way yeah. you just kind of be like look just being assertive politely yeah. assertive yeah I yeah that's the goal i had i had a flatmate the first year i lived in edinburgh i had a flatmate and he once said to me and i like it still stuck with me he was like whenever i'm in a situation where i'm really stressed out i say is this going to matter to me in 5 years time and then he would go if the answer was yes you know if it was he had to study for something or someone was treating him in a really bad way that could, you know, really, really hurt him, then he was like, then it's the time to, to take action, to stand up for yourself, to get through this. And if it's not going to matter in five years, then just stop. Just walk away. You know, no one is going to care in five years whether you did the dishes on this day and you haven't stuck to the hoovering rule. Don't sweat the small stuff, mm. you know? <laughs>
1: Be a nice human being, which loops back to the award of being a nice human.
0: Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. And on that note, I'm going to ask the last question. So if you could associate your object with one word, what would it be? Spontaneousness. Is that a word?
2: Spontaneity is the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Oh, my God. The poet says... Yeah, my mum's an English teacher as well she's going to listen to this and she's going to leap out her chair and immediately text me and be like, <laughs> I can't believe you said that <laughs> my dad's
1: a massive grammar freak so oh you my. can't get my grammar on this so I'm safe yes. um, one word happy I'm going to stick with happy because yeah. it's the find your happy place and I think university for me it got better as I went along in the four years but yeah just a lot of happy memories yeah really good good times
0: Great, guys. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you. for listening to Sharing Things. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play to catch our next episode. Be sure to visit our website to read more about our guests and other episodes at www.ed.ac.uk slash sharingthingspodcast with little dashes between the words. You can let us know what you think on the website or by using the hashtag sharing things podcast. See you next time.